seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride an illegal trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Afaka is a Chinese down here. Using snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know. Welcome to Mind the Track with Powbot and Trail Whisper, ramblings, chasing powder, riding trail, and the life outside. This show is about navigating the wilds of California's High Sierra and Nevada's Great Basin 365 days a year on skin tracks in winter, single tracks in the summer, highlighting the adventure of exploration and using both motorized and non-motorized innovations to help us better access and experience the most remote corners of public lands. Today's February 16th, 2023. Welcome, Powbot. First show. What's up, buddy? Where are we recording today? Uh, we're recording at my family's, uh, they like to call it a cabin in Truckee and Tawadonner, but uh-huh. I always like to remind them that it's a house and not a cabin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was actually my, my grandfather's retirement place when he uh, retired out of the ministry uh, out, wow. of, out of Southern California. He actually started Garden Grove Ministries with Robert Schuler, the famous preacher man. So that's kind of where I got my radio voice. But uh, yeah, he retired up here, and my grandma and grandfather lived here for five years in Truckee in the early 80s, starting in 1981. So yeah, this is where uh, my grandfather retired, and then I moved here with my mom for high school in 1989 and uh, started shredding pow here in the Sierras and went to high school at Truckee High and then eventually went to Squaw Valley Academy and uh, learned, learned the ways of the Squaw Valley. Yeah, so we're we're here at the family home. Roots, man. Yeah. Roots, you go way back in Tahoe, it sounds like. A little bit, bud. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, so we're we're up here. I'm I'm looking out the back porch window and I don't see anything other than like a pile of snow. Oh, we're buried. <laughs> it's it's the, the winter of buried. all winters in Tahoe. Yeah, we're having a winter. No biking. I mean, I did ride my bike today down in Verdi. Did you? Yeah, just on pavement, been, though. I've been wondering if you've been thinking about bikes. I touched my bike for the first time in two months, and it was my 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 ass hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's what it's like to sit on a saddle. Yeah, well, I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to just put that one off for a while. <laughs> and I think this year it's going to be till May, maybe, or June. Yeah. So we got a ski season. Oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. And I think... What this show is all about is that balance between the bike and skiing, right? Yeah. Dirt yep. in the summer, snow in the winter, exploring trail, yep. chasing pow. It seems that a lot of our friends do both, but there's not a lot of people talking about both. Yeah, and I, I think it's also just being able to sort of make the most of the conditions and whatever the moment's presenting. And, uh, you know, obviously for me, if it's, if mountain bike biking's on order, I'm going to go. Right. But if the skiing's on point, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think if anything, I'm just, I'm really just been looking for that feeling that you get in the, in a turn, you know, and whether it's a turn on a bike or a turn on a snowboard for me, uh, I'm chasing that, that feeling. And, uh, this year it just happens to be a whole bunch of snowboarding. Yeah. It's that Zen flow, the Zen state that yeah. we all want to be in. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, and I think probably for you this year, you're skiing more than you normally do, yeah? 
Ab- no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In the last few years, um, I've been doing a lot of mountain biking in February in in the Sierra, you know? Yeah. Um, but this year, it's, like I said, I hadn't touched my bike in a few months, so it's been amazing. Um, and got a lot more use out of the snowmobile this year. Last year, I didn't really use it hardly at all. So, you know, it's nice when you have a year where there's enough snow that you can actually use the thing because they're expensive. What? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's not those. Those things don't really live in my world, but (laughs) they semi live in mine. I, I mean, they give me nightmares because they're so difficult sometimes to deal with, but, um, but you're mechanically inclined, which I am not. Yeah. I mean, I can so. work on them basically, but it's the riding of them that I'm still learning. You know, I'm a novice in the yep. eyes of a lot of my friends still. So I get my ass handed to me on a regular basis. But just going up, you know, ski access, it's no problem. It's when I go yep. out on a real sled day is where the difficulty When it's just sledding and they're like, yeah. check I, this out. Bro. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like my buddy calls it wrestling alligators. You know, because these things are just 400-pound beasts, and yeah. you get them stuck, and you spend the next hour digging it out. Well, that's always been my equation, is that, like, for the amount of time you spend digging on certain days, like, I'll just do another lap. Yeah. Which is why I've never endorsed it. Trust I, me. I got friends like... I, like, I hear you. I hear... Like, honestly, I'm new to snowmobiling, and I've been skiing my whole life, and... Personally, like, I just prefer to ski because it's just simpler. Yeah. It's just easier. There's it's, less drama. There's less stress. You know, I, I don't know how, but some people think that skiing's more dangerous. I don't see that. What, than snowmobiling? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Huh. I don't think so. My Well, my only friend this year that's been hurt is he got hurt sledding, so. Right. Yeah. Wrapped a sled around a tree. I, you know, speed kills, man. And those things can go real friggin' fast. I got the throttle stuck when I was out sledding with Scott Kessler. I had a bunch of ice that got jammed into the throttle control during numerous times. We had to tip the damn thing over to get it down the hill out of a, out of a bomb hole where I got it stuck. And so a bunch of ice got stuck in the throttle. And... I was coming back. It was the end of the day. I was completely blown out physically and mentally. I was just going slow and just taking it easy back to the truck. And then I went to blip over this bump, and the throttle stuck wide open, and the freaking sled. I panicked. You know, I should have just hit the plunger and killed the motor. But, like, in that moment when the thing just goes, and you're like, holy shit, I just jumped off the sled. Did it, it didn't buck you. You jumped. You. I just jumped. No, I was like, the only way to kill this thing right Eject. now is to just jump. And so it missed Scott by like 10 feet and it missed a tree by two feet, like two feet to the right. The thing would have been totaled. It was full on full throttle at this tree. So then when it stuck, did it just keep going? It was a throttle pin then? It- the throttle was pinned, but you know, my tether like killed the engine. Oh, okay. So I don't know how that works. Yeah. So you have a tether, you're tethered to your sled. So if you do come off the sled, the motor will die. You got in the sled. You got to have a tether, right? Like if you don't have a tether, tether that thing's going to be in the next state. Um, so thankfully, I kind of like to live life without a tether, though. <laughs> Not with a 160 saying. horsepower no, snowmobile. <laughs> but so this is a this is a funny one. Like so, I got a message years ago. You know Darren Huck, yeah, yeah. And so Darren and I were out skiing Snow Mountain. We were trying to go for that South Line off snow, the big one that goes mm-hmm. all the way into the canyon. And it was the coldest night I've ever spent in a tent. It was January of, God, it was January of 2010, 11. 
So it was right after that big cycle. So we were going for that big line. It's like 5K. It was the bigger lines in Tahoe. It goes all the way down into Royal, Royal Gorge. <clears throat> and we're out there in the tent. And uh, it was back when you used to get a big tax credit for your for your, for paying a mortgage. Mm-hmm. And so Nicole and I had just bought our first house here in Tahoe in, I don't know, 2003 or four, And like... I'd gotten a message from our accountant that I'd gotten a big tax refund. And, uh, and it's Darren, like, is we're like, you know, side to side in this tent, like totally bundled up. And he, he's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I just got a good tax refund, this and that. And he's like, he looks at me and he says one word. He says sled. <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, I'm just like, yeah, no, it's, I don't know. Sleds just haven't been for me. Yeah. And I didn't get it. And yeah, you know, uh, and it would have been great to have one because again, walking all the way out to that line that time was a f- far walk. And uh, we actually didn't get it. We only got to drop in and ski about half the thing and had to boot back out of it. And then he went back like a month later with a sled and got it. So I, yeah. see, I see the point of them. It's a tool. It's, it's a, tool. a tool in the toolbox like everything else. I, I look at everything, bikes, skis, um, different types of bikes, different types of skis, dirt bike, you know, e-bike, snowmobile, yeah. all these things are tools. They're tools in the toolbox to enable us to get deeper and go further and have more adventures. Um, you know, and I'm not obsessed with any one thing. Yeah. For me, it's all about just um, utilizing the tool to get the experience that I'm looking for. You know, cool. and the sled can provide that in certain instances. Well, I hope you could show me the way of the sled one of these days. I yeah. I mean, I've it, done a little sled skiing here and there, but never... Never it's fun. Good. It's pretty fun to be able to just like load up your ski or your board, get on your sled, go out to a place, park yeah. it, get on your skis and go ski. And then when you're done, you're like, sweet, I get to ride home now. And just you're just chilling. You know, you're on a Jeep road or like a two track or nothing. Yeah. You're not doing any crazy mountain sledding. You're just kind of following a road. Um, but sometimes you get into situations and it's good to go with someone you don't want to go sledding by yourself. Like I'll go ski by myself and I'll sled by myself in my backyard where I know where I'm getting into. Yeah. But if you don't know what you're getting into, yeah, you definitely need to go with someone else. Well, this, the sled thing's been fascinating too, because they've taken the reins of avalanche statistics. Uh, I was the avalanche statistic for a bunch of years being the 28, 29, then 30 and 31 or whatever year old snowboarder mm-hmm. who's, avalanche knowledge wasn't as good as my skill set right i was a really good snowboarder as a young age and then as i got into backcountry like we led that that statistic of that type of person that i was which was the young snowboarder who was skilled could rock up on anything and be like yeah i could ski this uh but didn't quite have the knowledge set of mountains and snow and snowpack and weather that we all have now later in life you know, we, that person led the statistics and now it seems that from what I read and what I understand that snowmobiles, snowmobilers lead that statistic now because they have their skill set. It's not necessarily their skill set, but their machine allows them access to areas where maybe their knowledge base isn't quite up to speed to what they can access. And then, then they're getting in over their heads and getting in trouble. It's, it's, that's an interesting formula of like, knowledge versus you know time in the mountains and and your knowledge of of abbey conditions uh 
You're seeing a lot more motorized Avi, you know, Airy one and two classes too. A lot of more motorized users. I, I would are be those curious classes. to know what the statistics are and how many people are signing up for those things. I think like, more. I think that there's a ton of them. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a ton of people doing that stuff now, and it's good, rightfully so. They need to. Yeah. Because uh, they're they're the ones leading the statistics. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we talk a little bit about why we're doing this? Yeah, you know, mind the track. <clears throat> um, let's talk a little bit about just the why of this show. Well, I see it as something that is going to, we're minding mountain culture. And I think that there's a conversation to be had about what's going on in a lot of aspects of our life right now. Uh, how our ski resorts are being managed, how traffic is being managed in ski communities, uh, how etiquette in the mountains is going down. You know, we're with more and more people heading out to do the sports that we love. I think that there should be a conversation and a little bit, of, a little more education going on about etiquette. Uh, and I think that someone like you and someone like me that has now 25 or 30 years experience can maybe glean a little knowledge and share it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I why we're here and why what, what like how did our lives get us to this point where we're sitting around this this family table and having a conversation about stuff? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, commonality between our our backgrounds and our paths, um, but we have equivalent experience. But with you have the expertise in the snow, and I have the expertise in the dirt. Mm -hmm. And I think um, you know I'm seeing a lot more people who are like hardcore snow sports athletes who are getting their first mountain bike. And they're like, this is actually, I like this sport, man, this is super fun, right? So they're getting into mountain biking by way of snow sports because a friend has a mountain bike. And then vice versa, like hardcore mountain bikers are getting their first set of backcountry skis or split board. And so I think there's this crossover. I mean, for me, I've been doing both my whole life and there's definitely, right, a parallel there. Um, the, for me, the mind, the track, is putting your mind in the track like yeah. for me my you know my happy place is that 18 inch wide corridor of either trail or the skin track where you're in the woods um and you are clear conscious of thought right like you you feel you the heart rate you hear your breathing you're kind of your mind is focused on that 18 inches and nothing outside of that matters everything melts away and so for me, my whole life has been about being in the track, my mind in that track and helping me, um, you know, sort out problems in my life and, and give me clarity um, in, in decision making and thoughts. And like, I always feel better, you know, after a bike ride or after a, uh, a backcountry ski, um, it solves a lot of problems. And I know it's the same for a lot of other people. So, you know, I feel like this show can really um, focus on that aspect of being outside you know there are other shows that talk about you know professional athletes and professional this and professional that but this is more about like i don't know just like the the essence of why we're doing this stuff you know not the pros but just the schmoes man the people who go out every day and just do the, it because they love to do it the core know? lords the core lords yeah yeah i hear you and so for me it's been i think that you've had a little different experience especially in the bike world in the sense that it was your career for a bit. <clears throat> and, uh, and for me, like the snow thing for me has always been somewhat adjacent. It's been my escape. 
I did work a little bit professionally in it. Uh, I coached in both Jackson Hole and Telluride, and I loved working with kids, and I loved sharing, uh, you know, with with the younger generations. It's something I've been passionate about even for the last ten years that we'll talk about. But uh, you know, for me, that the the track has been an escape for me in certain ways, and and it's always where I do my best thinking. It's where I can put my head back on uh, from my other other life as as someone who runs restaurants uh, and has worked very hard for 20 years in the restaurant business, like the track has been my escape. And, uh, and it's like you said, it's where I can clear my head, clear my consciousness, do my best thinking and come out a better person. Uh, And I've always realized too, that it's where I can kind of have like a little bit of an Eastern religious experience where I can really just live in the moment and, and, it's so simple. Like if I go out and do it, if I'm in the skin track and I'm shredding, like it's just everything that I worry about just dissolves. And, uh, there's so much power and clarity in that. So I'm just drawn to it. Like I, you know, whether it's an addiction, call it what you will. Uh, but that's, I live for it. So that's kind of my take on it. And, and I, and I think that, you know, sharing our perspectives is gonna, is gonna help some folks, uh, you know, maybe mine their own track. Yeah. And I think, right. Like with podcasting, I think the other reason why I I wanted to do this is as a storyteller um, and a writer, there's just a shrinking number of publications in the world. Print is not dead, but it is not as prominent as it used to be. And for, I, I like the printed word I always have. and, And I try and focus on working with publications that are still out there in print and there just aren't as many. Yeah, and I want to be able to get that the stories out there in a, in a different way. And so I think, you know, when you and I started talking about this, we we're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, why don't we do a podcast series? I mean, I think as, as my misconception was that podcasting is already like blown out. Like yeah, there's already a million too. people well, out there. Everyone's like, oh, let's start a podcast. Right. Which, it's like the trendy thing to do. So I get that. But the reality is that podcasting is we're just in the first inning of podcasting as an as, as an industry and it's early season and there's so much upside and i think that there isn't like like i was saying a minute ago you know i've been kind of sampling the market and i just don't really see anything out there right now that talks about the culture of both snow sports and mountain and like trail sports winter and summer and goes beyond just, you know, um, talking about like an interview with a professional athlete. It's about the culture. It's about like, you know, talking to Steve a up on Donner's summit in the dead of winter when he's, you know, plowing, plowing driveways. Like what, what do you do as a plow driver in the dead of winter on Donner's summit? That must be insane, right? Like learning about that kind of, aspect of mountain culture mountain living right i think the show is going to cover a lot of different stuff beyond trail beyond skiing it's going to be weather you know avalanche you know terrain forestry land management like you know trail building a lot of the work that i do is in trail building and, and working with land managers and improving access and 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 you know responsible outdoor you know outdoor recreation um so there's a lot of things that I think that this show is going to be able to cover. It's going to be diverse and it's going to have a seasonal aspect to it, which I think is cool. Cause I don't really see too many shows that have like, you know, seasonal kids. We're going to talk a lot about skiing and, and, and split boarding in the winter. Not probably not a lot of bike stuff. 
But then in the summer, it's going to be all about bikes and trails in, in the summer, right? Yes, but there will be the year where I'm down in Santa Cruz surfing. <laughs> and then there's surfing. And then there's going to be that, that year. Surf. There's going to be that year where we have a drought and we're yeah. chasing it somewhere else maybe. I don't know. I've, I've been kind of you know, focused here on California with, with my businesses and being tied to Tahoe. But, you know, for me, the Bay Area and Santa Cruz has been a really good getaway from, from I guess it was 2012 to 15. I paid my dues down in Santa Cruz and learned how to surf mm-hmm. uh, and made some lifelong friends down there. And that's almost a second home for me. So, yeah, uh, there won't be years where it's all skiing. No, well, <laughs> this we got to remember this year is this an year anomaly. Is. It's kind is. of not, this is not the norm, but hey, we'll take it. I'm, I'm taking it every day. <laughs> how many How many days are you on the snow, do you know? You know, I haven't counted yet, but I, I my guess would be 35 to 40 so far. And, I, and I'm not like hardcore. I think the most I've ever done in a season is probably like 55 or 65 probably i don't really keep count yeah so um, this is going to be your biggest ski year ever i think it will be That's... yeah i'm pretty sure it will be yeah let's keep it rolling yeah we've already had some good adventures holy cow i know it's yeah there's three or four good ones on the books already well let's let's briefly talk about the one we just did last weekend all right that was sunday where did I we think? go i Sun- can't even remember uh I had a <laughs> wild hair up somewhere that wanted to go from, uh, I want to do a North tour. So we parked a car, uh, at Emerald Bay and then took another car down to Talak. And then we did the Talak to Emerald Bay North tour. And it was, uh, a, a North, all North is what I kind of remember of it. It was pow. All yeah, day pow. It was nine, all day pow. Nine hours of pow. It was a lot of walking, mm-hmm. about 15 miles point to point. But I think we talked, recapped on it at the end of the day, but I think you like a good point to point. I love point to point. Yeah, me too. It's just, yeah, it's awesome. You get to cover more ground and you yeah. don't circle back. Yep. And if you can set them up, I, I like a good point to point. So and that was uh, a good one. Yeah, uh, that was a pretty cool tour. And uh, we got great conditions. There was, it was a week after snow. I think there'd been a, a slight refresh at some point in midweek, but it wasn't much to really change anything. But yeah, it, things were holding and, we had really easy travel and all pow on north. Uh, we witnessed a little, a little kookery out there at points <laughs> by some other groups of people that <laughs> was uh, questionable etiquette. In the yeah, mountains. let's get into that because you were all fired, uh, fired up, man. Up. You I were talked just, to a you buddy. were yelling across the mountain at that these was people. All fired. I talked to a buddy today and was talking <laughs> about it, and he was like, "Well, did you see him?" I'm like, "No, but they're lucky that they didn't see me because I would have let them have it." Uh, yeah, they just, they were not skiing fall line in an area of, uh, an area that we sometimes like to walk out to and and go skiing at that sort of, you know, the etiquette is to ski fall line out there. And, uh, and I think that the thing that I'm understanding now is that, you know, people, there was a period of time through COVID where there was a lot of people getting into backcountry skiing and (laughs) we, we joked that the skin track was so 2020 because a lot of people were skiing like 10 feet adjacent to the skin track. They didn't, they didn't quite venture out very far from the skin track, you know, they didn't, you know, and, and their skill sets weren't letting them do that. Uh, and now it's a few years past that. And I think people are starting to venture a little further out, uh, 
you know, obviously there's information being shared and, and, and we're having a great season. So people are venturing further out, but I think they lack a little bit of, uh, of, of a skill set that should be learned at a ski resort, which is how to landmark ski. Like the, the area that we were skiing in that day on, on the, in the middle part of the day, you see it all when you're approaching it, like you're looking at it for an hour. So, and, and it, you should be able to look at it and you should be able to say, Hey, this is where we're going to drop in. This is where we don't want to be on top of these cliffs. <laughs> we shouldn't traverse over there. Uh, and then, you know, you should be able to pick out like a, a nice fall line and ski it top to bottom, uh, safely with your friends. Uh, but we witnessed a whole bunch of people, uh, traversing an area. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> they were traversing the mountain from point A to point B instead of skiing fall line. And it kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit. Uh, and it did affect us on one of our laps out there because we had made the effort to push up to the top of a fall line and then ski back down. And some people had half lapped something. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of ticked me off too, but it, it, it was a great day, but we did witness some people who were not, necessarily skiing to the to the proper etiquette of how you ski in that zone uh you should use established skin routes and uh and there's safety reasons for that but you should use established skin routes you should take it to the top and you should ski fall line fall line freddy fall line freddy no traverse tony <laughs> just saying <laughs> uh i'm sure they all had a great time out there but you know there was a, a, a some uh some non-fall line skiing happening yeah and that's and i think right that is part of the show is education. I didn't know that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I, not that I would be traversing all over the place, but, um, I was not aware of that kind of etiquette in the backcountry, And I think probably a lot of people aren't. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. And so it's good. It's good to be able to share that information with people and, you know, I'm glad you didn't bump into them because I I didn't want to see angry Palbot just fly <laughs> off the handle on these people. What the? What are you doing? To show up at the trailhead in a Chevy Traverse because you <laughs> left your lights on. Come on. Uh, yeah, there was. I, I was coming up with all kinds of good things to say to them, but but somehow or another they were busy traversing back out of there when they didn't take the established skin line back out, and uh, that's okay. But yeah, it was. That was a little frustrating. Hey, this is Rat Tail Rick with Trash and Treasure on WMTT Hot Country 103. Give us a call. Tell us what you got for sale today. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, there's uh, Enos Mahaki over there in Booger Hole. I got a Larry Fisher mountain pushback for sale. Only been crashed into a tree once, so uh, pretty much brand new otherwise. Got a nice jail seat on it, some uh, off-road tires and that, and uh, it's got them suspensions. Asking tree fitting, firm, service calls only, no scammers. Don't waste my time, don't steal my stuff. 522-0258. All right, Mahaki over in Booker Hole got a Larry Fisher mountain bike for sale. Tree fitty. 
Don't waste his time. Don't steal his stuff. Give him a call at 522-02. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Well, let's get into some, what do you say, like some news stories, some current events. Oh, I know that you have mentioned a few things to me that you wanted to talk about. Well, since the media, I mean, the media <clears throat> just lives on the old social, you know, social media. It, like, it's sad to see that a writer like uh, your skill set has to, has to bring yourself down to a podcast. But, I know. Uh, I but know. At least yeah, have I mean, a face everything, made for radio. <laughs> everything everything lives on social media now, but like, it's pretty, you know, it's, I think it's pretty cool, but it's also, you know, a little bit of a rabbit hole, but I did see some cool stuff this week uh, and some scary stuff. Uh, you know, Owen, that Owen Leeper, I think is his last name, that his little clip from Jackson Hole was quite the scene. Uh, and, you know, went for a gnarly ride Jackson Hole side country uh, and I think that there's a bit to be learned from that uh, and I really appreciate him sharing it you know and sharing now both angles of it the, the drone shot that I showed you when we first met here is kind of scary it's very scary uh, yeah you know getting flushed down a feature like that is not fun <laughs> it looked like he was just getting pinballed off giant granite walls yeah it, and it wasn't that big of a feature. Like it, when I first saw the the clip, it like it, it the POV of it looks like it's a bigger feature. But when you see the drone shot of it, like it's actually only like a probably five hundred yeah, foot, like maybe. a four hundred foot shot. Yeah, super committing. Yeah, uh, I kind of you know I know where that is. Like I skied out there the first year that Jackson Hole opened their boundary. I was there for year one, and I I always went around that. Is that skiers' right of the tram? Yeah. So you, I think, I think it's like some of the train that. You know, is the south-facing train into Green River? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's the heavy, heavy, heavy little accident. I really appreciate him sharing it. Uh, you know, it, it, it should hopefully help some people understand that you know backcountry skiing is dangerous, and you should side country you should right. Yeah, side that is even side country. Like, yes, that stuff can happen. You're right. Very easily. That's yeah. That's and not, there's far more people doing that right than that's not far from the gate. Not far from the gate. I mean, I there, there's been so many right people side country Jackson Hole that have found themselves in a situation. Yeah. So I was there year one of the boundary drop. That's I, I moved there for that. So I was in Jackson uh, in two thousand two thousand one. Is what I think that year was. But I moved up from Telluride because they were dropping their boundary, and uh, it wasn't the best snow year, unfortunately. But we we got to ski all that stuff the first year. And, uh, I'll just say I did a lot of four pines laps <laughs> for, that was kind of my happy place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then skiing in Granite Canyon was cool too. That was cool to open all that train up. And, uh, I learned how to silly ski that year as a split boarder. Uh, I even modified a split board to, uh, so that I could lock my heel down mm-hmm. so I could sidestep out of Granite Canyon, uh, that first year. But, uh, 
Yeah, Jack, Jackson's pretty. That's a special place, man. Like, I've always loved that mountain. Love um, it's gotten loved maybe too much, kind of like a lot of places. And it seems like maybe Icon was the reason. Um, but they've limited yeah, now. They pulled out. Right? right or they, well, you have to pay extra to get like a limited number of days there, right? Well, so yeah, like I, I think that's a great thing to talk about and have a conversation about is that I was just talking with someone about this one that both Big Sky and Jackson have pulled out of the unlimited icon. And it took them a couple of years to sort that out. But yeah. uh, it, it sort of begs the question that, you know, are there some other resorts potentially? Uh, some of the ones that we maybe frequent more often, should they think about backing out of this pass? And uh, should everybody who loves that pass so much think about the ramifications of getting a cheap season pass? Uh, because I think the pass is a, the root of a lot of our traffic issues in Tahoe. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think Jackson and Big Sky both backed out of, uh, you know, I think you get a week. You well, get five days or a week. And then I think you also have to schedule your days. Right, you have to schedule ahead, I think. I haven't been there yet this year to figure it out, but yeah. Well, is, uh, now I don't know if, I don't know if this is correct, but I know Altera owns Palisades and Alpine Meadows, but does Altera own? They do not. Jackson, so that would be a a problem, It's a partner resort, yeah. So that'd be a problem for Altera, because they're not going to, Altera's not going to pull the Icon Pass from Palisades and Alpine because they own it. Well, right? they should. I think, though, the thing to look at, though, is why did Jackson Hole and Big Sky back out of it? And it was because their communities had well, voiced sure. some yeah. serious concerns Definitely. about what was happening. Right. And that's happening here, too, in Tahoe. Yeah. The community is raising a flag, and, you know, whether they own it or not, it's not the issue. Like the community's saying, hey, we got an issue here. And, you know, yes, they, I, I, I get it from their point standpoint as a business and that they own it. But, you know, what are the what's the fallout from that right now? And the fallout's been every weekend we've had in Tahoe for the last six, five weeks. You know, it's a parking lot. Yeah, it's been a problem. I feel bad for I'm, I'm so thankful to live in Verdi on days like that where you don't have to deal with that because if you live in even where we're at tonight in Tahoe Donner like if you need to get down to the hospital or the grocery store on a Saturday or Sunday morning you can't even do it if you wanted to you're in gridlock there's no way around it and um well you adjust you everybody up here right now snowmobile yes (laughs) yes backcountry skiing you need to just go get a snowmobile and then you can get to the hospital because we're having a good year I've boonie just, crash through people's backyards i've just been skiing in my backyard which has been great but uh yeah it's the wild thing is is everybody in tahoe is just adjusting what how they deal and it's yeah it's pretty interesting that people aren't even really like maybe aware of how much they're changing their their patterns you know what time they leave to go to the resort or what time they leave to go to work I've got employees that leave to come to work an hour early just so that they can get there so that they're not in trouble for not being stuck in traffic. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's, there's a whole pattern change of everybody's lives that are, that's happening in, in, in Tahoe at least. And I think everywhere else, like in Stowe, Vermont and some other mountain communities that are dealing with these pass issues and ski resort issues, like everyone's, we're just figuring out new ways to navigate it. And I don't know if that's the right solution is to is to just concede and then 
not go to the grocery store when you really need to or not be able to go to the hospital when you really need to. Right. You know, like, oh, I'll just go when I can. Yeah. Is that okay? I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's okay. I mean, I think the bottom line is that um, Truckee and Tahoe are limited in... I think the main... One of the problems is that Lake Tahoe and Truckee should be their own county. You know, you have Placer County. Yeah, five counties. Nevada County, El Dorado County. All the county seats are down in the foothills. So they're not even up here. And they and the and the city council the uh, the the city council not city council but the like the county commissioners, right? They a lot of them don't live up here and they don't have to deal with these problems on a daily basis and I and they see the money, right? Like the, the reason why Placer County and Nevada and El Dorado they're rolling in cash and part of the reason yeah. is because they have ski resort tax revenue. Right, you look at Sierra County, you look at Plumas County, north of here, they're destitute. They have nothing. They have no tax revenue because they have no ski resorts, but they also don't have traffic issues. So, you know, I think there there needs to be a, a, a real talk discussion about the infrastructure of, of Tahoe and Truckee, that it is not set up to accommodate the amount of people that are currently coming here. And then you want to talk about an expansion and whether flipping water park or whatever the hell they want to do in Olympic Valley, it's just out of the question. Like you spent all this money on a on a gondola. How about you take that money and invest it into infrastructure improvements that benefit the community in which you operate your business? Or housing. Or housing. Just saying. Yeah, I mean these are we I mean and these are pretty housing. common sense, I think, topics that a lot of people are like, yeah, duh, why not? And but, you know, it, it's kind of crickets from the county commissioners and the and executives at Alteras so far. Well, everybody's pointing, <clears throat> pointing their fingers at each other. There's, right. there's so many people at the table that no one's taking any accountability. Right. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know if a podcast is going to solve those no, problems, but we can so. at least talk about them and hopefully yeah. spread some information on it. Like, I think everything that Keep Squat True is doing is so on point. <clears throat> yep. Like, they've really hit the nail on the head with spreading a good word and doing the good work. Uh, and there are some other good organizations up here that are fighting that fight, but yeah, like enough is enough. I yeah. think it was pretty interesting that, uh, that one article came out this fall about Tahoe being on the don't visit list or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was a pretty interesting read. My brother just sent it to me again. I'm like, yeah, but that's old news. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've been talking to him about it forever and just, you know, we do need to slow it down a little bit, maybe. Well, there were a couple articles recently uh, up here. that came out. One was in The Guardian. It was about the decline of Lake Tahoe and just how this, like, influx of people has, like... Made people's to experience less Deteriorate valuable. the quality of life. Yeah, and then and then there was this other article I read that was great. It was a... It's a it, it was a someone who worked as an employee at the Truckee post office for like three I heard weeks about that one. and, and how chaotic and unbelievably disorganized and a complete mess train wreck it was where people weren't getting their mail for like a week because they were so short staffed because they couldn't find anyone to hire that mail couldn't get sorted. Yeah. And the line to either pick up mail or to send a package was like an hour to two hours long. Like it's like DMV stuff. And that's the I'm just like, oh man, that's that's not that's not sustainable, you know. Yeah, I'm in no I'm no expert on what's going to happen in Tahoe, but when the post office isn't functioning, 
right. and when the banks aren't functioning, yeah, we have s- some serious issues. Yeah, the the bank that I have to deal with for work, which we just switched because of some things, but the other bank was only open one day a week in Kings Beach and one day a week in Truckee, and then I think they're open five days a week in Tower City, and the and they're just rotating the same people. Yeah. And that's a pretty essential service, banking. Yeah, I mean, mail and money. Those are two important things, I would think. <laughs> mail, money, and beer. Yeah, well, at least the pretty, beer's getting delivered. Yeah, I don't think at least the- you go to RMU, it doesn't look like they're having a problem. <laughs> that place is like out the door 24-7. It's insane, that place. I feel old when I go in there. Oh, I feel very old when I go in there, but that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone. No, me neither. You know, it's 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 cool. So a friend of mine was telling me that, like, you know, RMU started in Colorado. They've, you know, they have a Breckenridge store and maybe one or two other stores. And they were kind of struggling to, like, be profitable. Um, and then they decided to open a location in Truckee. And they... Is that the one that's killing it for him? Killing. Yeah, okay. They are killing. Their their alcohol and food sales are off the charts. And so it's yeah, they 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 I think they addressed a a need in town. I mean, I thought there were already enough bars in Truckee, but I guess there weren't the right bars. There's not enough bars in Truckee. You don't think so? Oh no. <clears throat> no. Well then there you go. They identified yeah, the need in the market. Enough, there's not enough restaurants or bars in Truckee. And, and that's the thing is that there really can't be any new ones. It's just too expensive to get anything off the ground. Yeah. You know, they, they got lucky and bought an existing kitchen, uh, which I do have some history. I actually worked in that building for a couple of years. It's oh. haunted as all get out. Oh, it looks haunted. It's, it's haunted. <laughs> uh, but they got an existing kitchen, and that's, that's half the battle. Like putting yeah. in a hood, putting in a commercial hood and building out a kitchen is just too expensive now. Yeah. So you have to buy an existing one, and then somehow or another they got a liquor license. I don't know who they, how they got that, but they're, they're valuable. Yeah. And a liquor license is almost a quarter million. So they, you know, that corporation had some money and they, bucked up and spent it. But that, that was a good buy. Uh, they'll, Absolutely. They'll, they'll make their money back. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It seems a, like they already are from what you're saying. I don't it's know, a I community hub, man. I like, don't go in there that much, but they have events there all the time, and it's it's cool to see. I know Fred's cool Fred's tied into. With, those guys pretty oh yeah fred is (laughs) fred has a posse in case fred stam if you live in Truckee or tahoe you probably know fred stam he has a posse and i think they hang out there oh they definitely hang out there yeah yeah well we got a couple minutes left we're gonna try and keep this one to 45 minutes yeah is that what's going on okay so let's let's uh Uh, what do you want to wrap with well, I'll, I'll wrap with some weather. How about that? Because I, that's I, a great I, that's a great I, way to close I, it out. Let's I, get I, excited I, for these I'm, next few days. I, well, I don't know about the next few days. Well, week. But I think next week it's going to turn on. I think that it's pow town in a few places right now. Uh, if I had been able to chase it from what I saw of what was going on down in the, in the southwest, would have been heck of fun. Uh, the rubies were going off, yeah, by the way. Where they did they get it? The again? rubies, yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh, don't tell me that. Uh, Yesterday, we should have gone. Yeah, we should have gone. Or today. Uh, but what are you doing it tomorrow? looks like New Mexico was really good. And, the, and mm-hmm. my old stomping grounds in Telluride uh, looked pretty darn fun, too, this week. Yep. But uh, it's turned on up in the Pacific Northwest a little bit, too. But it's coming back to us, Yeah. from what I can tell. Uh, you know, it's looking good for us. We got a good cycle, and it's not going to be an AR train. 
Right. You know, it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Yep. It's going to be five inches Perfect. with a five foot base. Yeah, stoked. Uh, it looks like we're going to get like six to 12, six to 12, six to 12, six to 12, six to 12. And yeah, that's, that's kind of ideal right now because yeah. we don't need any big base building storms. We just need like a little freshie on top and the ability to get around and open the resorts. Like, I think it could be a cool uh, resort cycle, maybe, because they won't have to close. They could maybe keep some chairlifts open, which is would be uh, a kind of a cool concept at a ski resort during a storm. Right. Storm uh, day skiing. Storm days with more than just maybe a couple chairlifts would be really fun to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm reading like good, a good cycle. Uh, we've got a really good base and we've got uh, two weeks of work, the weather lined up. So bring it on. Yeah. Uh, and I'm dying to get back down to the Eastern Sierras. So yeah, uh, I think if I see a weather window, coming out of this little refresh i'll be trying to get down there again uh i'd like to get down to mammoth because i haven't skied Ma- i mean dude i haven't skied mammoth in like 20 years i don't know why i just haven't it's not that far away i know it's super close it's like a three-hour drive i don't know what the hell my problem is but i need to get down there i'm like 240 from my door yeah from where i live and like i, I can't get down there enough i love that mountain and i love that i for some reason i love the la crowd like they're just so much I don't want to say better than the Bay Area crowd, but they're, <laughs> they're better than the Bay Area crowd. Uh, they're just fun. They're there. They're yeah. stoked out. They're like, you know, they, they're like, hey, check this out. Here's a free T-shirt. What are you doing? What's your story? And like, they're just engaging. Yeah. And they're not upset that you're parked next to them. And they're there to have a good time. That's and like, cool. that's, I've I had a blast down there in the last couple of years. Like, they, they, to say it but it's because of the past but like you know when i used to go down the Houston sierras i would never really ski mammoth but yeah uh it has grown on me yeah i, I, I love that mountain yeah. and the crowd yeah and the guy who skis in a bikini <laughs> he's and glenn plague he skis there a lot right yeah i think so <laughs> a lot of people do but it's just a i want to meet dude i still haven't mountain. met that guy and what i love about glenn plague aside from the fact that he was my idol growing up as a kid um, he's a total gearhead, like hillbilly. Like he fabric, he's a fabricator. Yeah, he has cool. a, he and his wife have a Jeep rock crawler. They're doing all kinds of like desert shit in their trucks and they're like full on rednecking. And it's like, I love to see that. See, that's funny. Because I, I, I'm so the opposite with him. Like I like him because he's into catamarans. He's a he's in all kinds he's, of stuff. He's man. a sailor. So like I'm more again, not, not motorized dude. And, have gotten into sailing again recently, which has been super fun. But uh, I had a Hobie cat here uh, for a lot of years in Tahoe, and so did Glenn. Yeah, he's a big Hobie catter. And Hobie that's, cat's fun. Oh yeah, we gotta. That's a, that'll be a goal. We gotta have Glenn Plake on right. the track here in the future. Go we gotta punch. work towards that goal. That would be awesome. He's a stud. Oh, and he's entertaining, man. He's a really accomplished backcountry skier too. Yes. A lot of people don't know that. That's no, like, Brian like, Solomon was telling me that. He's super accomplished. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he, I skied some lines in the Sierras and have heard that he's been on the same lines, and that's always impressed me. Like, the dude's solid in the backcountry. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, deep ones, too. Yep. Yeah, he's not afraid to go for a walk. That's awesome. Well, uh, I think we... Uh, any, what, you got anything else, bud? No, I think that's a good place to start. All right. Hopefully, you know, we'll go good, back through all of this. It's a good conversation. Do some. Hopefully we didn't come off as too gripey about Tahoe's problems. Well, but, you know, whatever. 
It has some problems, but it also is going to have some powder. It's nothing that not anybody else has talked about. You know, I think it's just a little bit of venting. Venting's good. I mean, when you put your mind in the track, you think about that kind of stuff, right? And think about like, how can it be? How can we make it better? Yeah. How How can can we improve it? How can it it be made better? I think is the good. You know, is how to twist it and like turn this conversation to something positive, and hopefully people can, you know, do do something in their own way. and be and become engaged and like I think that there's going to be a point where there's a tipping point uh, with some things that are going to happen whether it's legally or there's going to be something that people have to vote on or, or something that is going to address some of these other some of the particularly traffic issues that we're having up here and like what are the what are the solutions to capping uh, the amount of skiers that are trying to go to the same ski hill on the same day. Yeah, I think that that's going to be an interesting thing that people are going to have to voice their opinions on. Yeah, and uh, and and hopefully we can come to a place where everybody can figure out a better solution. Yeah, agreed. Cool. Well, with that, that's mind the track. Thanks for listening to episode one of Mind the Track with Pow Bot and Trail Whisperer. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track.